Glad, uh, glad you're all here uh, today as uh, we're continuing on uh, in our sermon series uh, through the book of Philippians. Uh, I do want to um, ask uh, if I can uh, solicit just um, some prayers from you after church today. Uh, I'll be uh, leaving for Indiana and uh, be group- meeting with a group of like eight to ten other uh, ministers, other preachers uh, for a couple day retreat and coming out of that process uh, by and large, our 2022 sermons will be set uh, but by the time uh, we end that retreat. And we've been doing this together for three or four years. And uh, I would just ask uh, for you to be uh, praying for uh, wisdom and guidance, not just for me, but for the other pastors there as well, that uh, we'll listen to God and um, end up kind of preaching and, and bringing to our congregations what uh, we most need to hear. So uh, it's something I look forward to every year, uh, meeting with those guys and, and just hearing other ideas and um, like I said, coming out of that, usually uh, the, the full next year will be set. So uh, please be praying about that as well. Uh, let's pray uh, over today's message, and then we'll get into it. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for Jesus. Uh, we thank you uh, for his grace. Uh, and uh, as the kind of tagline of this series says, uh, we just want to continue to grow in you, and, and specifically we want to grow in your grace. And uh, as we uh, kind of examine Philippians 3 today, Uh, Just pray that I would be completely out of your way uh, and and that you would communicate exactly what you want to communicate in us uh, so that we can become more and more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, There's an old uh, preacher joke, which I I usually enjoy these things, about a guy uh, that received as as an inheritance his uncle's parrot. And uh, this parrot was just absolutely foul-mouthed, all right? Um, just absolutely swore, and the expletives were terrible, and uh, jokes that were not appropriate, just very, very rude parrot. And this guy had young children, uh, and so he was very worried about uh, the example that this parrot was setting, and that the, his kids were going to show up to kids' ministry, you know, saying stuff they shouldn't be saying, uh, and, and doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. And so this guy tried everything to get this parrot uh, back into and, and to, into line, taught it to say polite words, played soft music to kind of bring him down, uh, tried everything, and, and this parrot just kept going and going and going, and his kids were starting to pick up some of these habits. And so exasperated, he, he grabs the bird and just yells at the bird. The bird just got louder and matched his anger. He shook the parrot, but it just made, seemed to make the parrot more angry, more rude, more, more swear words, and, and that sort of thing. And finally, in a moment of desperation, he grabs the parrot and he just shoves it into the freezer. And after a few minutes, he hears no more squawking and kicking and screaming. It's just totally silent. And so he figured maybe he'd hurt the bird. And so he opened the, the freezer door and the parrot came out and said, listen, I am truly sorry if I have offended you. With my language and my actions, I, I humbly ask for your forgiveness. I never wanted to set a bad example for the children. I will now from this day forward correct my behavior uh, and, and you'll never see an ill-perceived outburst from me ever again. And this guy was just blown away. And he said, I wonder what changed his attitude. And he was getting ready to ask the parrot, what changed you so much? And before he could, the parrot said, now, may I ask a question? What did the chicken do? <laughs> um, right? Yeah, so... And, and the truth of the matter is that, that that is a silly joke, but the truth of the matter is example matters, 
right? And, and you know this, especially when it comes to your kids, but we know it, it does. Example matters. This is why if you can remember when you first started dating uh, and you first started kind of going out, you started thinking about, man, I need to think about the example that I'm setting. Uh, when, when you first had children, all right, when you were first thinking about having children, uh, you probably had the same thought that I did of there's some stuff I need to take care of, right? Uh, I'm going to be setting this example uh, for my kids. I need to get this under control. I need to defeat this. I need to figure this out because in a couple years, these little eyes are going to be looking at me, right? It's why when uh, you took on the new leadership position at your work, uh, as soon as you kind of got hired into that position, you started to think about, man, I got to clean up some of these work habits, right? Uh, you might say, man, I need to get better about email. I'm not very good about email, or I need to get better about punctuality, or I need to improve my work ethic in some way, because we know that this is just true. Example matters. And this is exactly what Paul is going to talk to us. We're going to be in Philippians 3, uh, Philippians 3, verses 15 uh, through 21. And hang on to this idea of example just for a minute, because we know so far in the book of Philippians, Paul has raised up for, us, up for us this very high view of life. He's talked about loving God and loving others. He's talked about having the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing and uh, was obedient to death, even death on the cross. Paul talked to us about that. He's talked to us about finding purpose in our suffering to not allow our suffering to be wasted, but that instead we can use our suffering to proclaim the gospel and we can end up shining like stars in the universe. And honestly, make no mistake about it, these are high callings when it comes to life. It is one thing to enter this room, right, and sing about love. It's one thing to sit in this room and be taught about love. It is another thing to leave this place absolutely committed to loving the people in your life. It's one thing to quote the scripture, we really ought to humble ourselves before the Lord and he will lift us up. It's easy to quote that scripture. It's another thing to actually humble ourselves and serve others and trust God to exalt us in whatever way he wants to exalt. It's one thing to think about leveraging your hurts and your suffering and your anguish for the good of the gospel. It is another thing to set aside our anger about our suffering and actually do that. And so Paul has come a long way in his life and in his faith, and he's becoming more and more like Jesus. And the question the Philippians, I think, had was, listen, Paul, you have raised a high standard for life and faith in Jesus. How on earth are we going to do this? And so he exhorts them because he wants them to go even further. He wants them to look more and more like Jesus, and he knows in order for that to happen, two things need to happen. Uh, the first is they have to be on the watch for good examples of what Paul's been talking to them about. Here's what he says. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if, if on some point you think differently, that too God will make it clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do, right? So he says, man, be on the lookout for these good examples because example matters. M maturity is important, all right? A, a good mature example is important. This is the time of year, uh, summer, where you pull out the kids' swimming pool, right? Everybody's got one of these kind of plastic swimming pools for their young kids, and your kids love to spend the summer in there playing and having fun uh, outside. But imagine one hot summer day, all right? 
you're taking your son or your daughter to your backyard to swim in your swimming pool, and you go back there, and your neighbor, who before this seemed perfectly normal, is back there, hanging out in your pool, drinking an adult beverage in one hand and a rubber ducky in the other. And he is splashing around having a good time. You know what you would do in that moment? You'd call the police first. Uh, Second, you would turn around and walk away. Something isn't right. He seemed nice enough when you waved to him in the driveway, but his maturity level, that is not an attitude becoming a mature adult. His maturity level is off. And I think for years in the big C, our maturity gauges have been off. And here's what I mean by that. We have defined historically maturity as knowing facts about the Bible. That the more facts that you know, the more mature you must be. And listen, that's important. But for years in Christianity, that was the totality of the benchmark that we set is no facts, no facts, no facts. I I remember uh, this was a big deal when I went to a Christian camp, right? Um, We would memorize these Bible verses. And um, I remember uh, getting a reward one time for knowing the books of the Bible in the proper order, you know, all 66 of them. And, And that was the biblical mark of maturity. Really, when you read the Bible, though, the biblical mark of maturity in the New Testament is looking like Jesus. It's not just knowing facts about the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, X, Roman, you know, that, that sort of thing. It's not just knowing facts about the Bible. It is looking more and more like Jesus. And Paul says, be on the lookout for people that are like that. Be on the lookout for mature believers that are looking more and more like Jesus because you can learn from them. Now, I don't know about you, but I think Paul comes off as a little bit vain in this text, right? He says, all of us who are mature, right? <laughs> all of us who are mature should take this view of, of things. And you're like, man, Paul, that seems a little bit vain, but I really don't think he is. You know what Paul is? He's confident in the way that he's living. And he's confident in the example that he's setting. He's confident in the maturing work that God has done in his heart and mind. He's like, man, I am, by the grace of God and empowered by his Holy Spirit, I am setting a good example. He's not arrogant. He's not cocky. He's confident in his example. And I'll tell you, Paul wrote Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Timothy, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and you read those books this week. And you tell me if this guy that used to be a church persecutor, this guy who used to kill Christians, you tell me if God, when you read those books, that God hasn't done an amazing work in this man's life. Changed him from the inside out. And he's confident in the example that he's setting. Now, I like to use, if you've been around Northwest for very long, you know this is true. I use a lot of self-deprecating humor in my messages. I've always been this way. And you know what I think it is sometimes? I think sometimes it's a mask for me and a self-consciousness that I'm not really where I want to be. Now, believe me, if you knew me before, uh, I've come a long way, people that grew up with me, but I'm not where I want to be, so sometimes I joke. Paul is confident in the example that he's setting. And I think that's a good goal for us to attain. I want to be able to say what Paul says in another section of scripture. You know what Paul said one time? Think about being able to say this to your grandkids and to your children. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. 
what an amazing thing to be able to say. I mean, we, we tend to say, do as I say, not as I, <laughs> that's our phrase. <laughs> Just do what I say. Don't do what I do, kids. <laughs> Don't do what I do. Do what I say, right? And Paul had the exact, not the exact opposite, but a different approach. He said, man, I'm confident in the example that I'm setting. So I think it's worth considering, don't you? We'll move from preaching to meddling right now, right? When you think about the example that you're setting for your kids and for your grandkids, when you think about the example that you're setting for your fellow church members, the people around you, when you think about the example that you're setting in the community, are you confident and proud of the example that you're setting? I think that sometimes as we get older, we can kind of feel like we're being put out to pasture a little bit as we get older. And believe me, some of you are, are older than I am. This is starting younger and younger and younger, right? Uh, in, in this day and age, like 45, it's like, dude, you have aged out, right? That, that sort of thing. Um, and so it's starting younger and younger and younger, but sometimes you can feel like you're being put out to pasture a little bit, and you just need to know, statistically, there is no study that backs that up. As a matter of fact, when, when you survey millennials, those that are kind of 40 and younger, when you survey millennials about who they most admire and who they most look up to, study after study after study shows that it is a parent or a grandparent, right? So on the contrary, you are not being put out to pasture. You are being examined and you are being looked at. Uh, your kids and your grandkids, the people around you, they're looking at you and they are watching you. Let's embrace that. Let's be proud of the example that we're setting. And let's allow Paul's words here to say, man, Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I say, just do what I'm telling you to do. Don't actually look at my example. Let's embrace what Paul is saying. Say, man, I want to do better in this area. I want to be a better example setter. And listen, we don't want to be arrogant because that's a problem on its own. But we do want to be proud and confident in the example that we set. So Paul is confident in his example, but look at the text. He's actually more confident in God's role in this process, right? He says, listen, if we are in disagreement on any of this, I love what Paul says, God will make it clear to everyone what they should do. If we're in disagreement, Paul says, if you don't agree with the example that I'm setting, if you don't agree with the words that I'm saying, God will make it clear. Now the inference here is classic Paul. God will make it clear to you, right? I'm confident in what I'm doing. God will make it clear to you, right? So, and I think that this is a good model for our relationships. Sometimes we think I've got to be the one to change them. I've got to be the one to make them new. I've got to be the transforming force in their life. I have to make it clear. And Paul says, no, no, you don't. You have to set a good example and be proud of the example that you're setting you have to have the right conversations with the people in your life with grace. And look at what Paul says. God will make it clear to them. Just to be even more clear on this, uh, you are nobody's Holy Spirit. You are nobody's Savior. You are nobody's Lord. And neither am I. So Paul says, be a good example. Use words sprinkled with grace. God will make it clear to them what they should do. And so Paul is absolutely confident in God's role in this. And I want to be too. I want to be proud of the example that I'm setting for my kids, but I want to be confident in God 
that God's going to make, that I'm going to do my best to set an example for Sam and Lila. I'm going to do my best to set an example for you and, and, and for the people in my life, for my neighborhood. But at the end of the day, it's not my role to change. It's not my role to make new. It's not my role to do any of that. God will make it clear. All right? And I love this line. Let us live up to what we have attained. I love that Paul says that because this is affirming that this whole thing is a journey and we are at different places in the journey. So I think sometimes we're setting the example and we're expecting God make it clear, right? God make it clear to them, right? That, that, that they're in the wrong. But the truth is Paul is pointing out another kind of caveat to this. They're just not there yet. And this is especially true with kids and grandkids that sometimes they need to grow and they need to mature, and they need to come to that place. You've been following Jesus for 20, 30, or 40 years. Just to be blunt about it, you should be in a different place. right? If you're not in a different place than somebody who just gave their life to Christ, something in the system is broken. And, and we, wanna, we wanna ask the Holy Spirit to confront us of that, but as we're following Jesus, the more, further down the road we get, we should be more mature, and we should ex have the expectation that other people are in a different place in their journey, and I'm gonna set an example, I'm confident in God to make it clear, but also there's a ton of grace in this that they haven't, they're not there yet. And someday they'll get there by God's, by God's grace and God's movement, but God will take care of that. That's not up for me to judge. And again, it, Paul almost sounds arrogant in this text, but I really don't think he intends it to be that way. He's identifying that everybody is in a different place in the journey, and that's okay. You focus on your example, you focus on your words, you let God work out God's stuff with each and every person. So Paul's point is that we want to be the good example, but look at what he also says. He says, we also want to keep our eyes on those who live as we do. So Paul's saying, I'm confident in my example. Now, what you want to do in the local church, because I, Paul understands he can't be the example for everyone, is keep your eyes on those who live as we do. In other words, look for good examples. Keep your eyes on them. And I think this is one of the challenges of COVID, is that we have not been in social settings as much. A lot of us have been home for a year, a year and a half. And so where have our eyes been? Our eyes have been on social media. Our eyes uh, have been on regular media. Our, eye, our eyes have been on the television set. And those just are not the best examples as we're gonna see here in just a minute. So we have tended over the last year and a half to ha have our eyes on not great examples instead of really great examples. And here's what Paul is teaching. Your feet will follow your eyes. So what you're looking at and, and what you're seeing, your feet will follow that. Your life will follow your eyes. So I think that as the world is getting a little bit closer back to normal, I know we've had a little bit of bad news here recently with, in terms of COVID, but let's really begin to fix our eyes on some good examples. Grab coffee with someone you respect and pick their brain. Read good books by, by great people. Follow people on social media that you really admire. Make a getting back to church plan. If you haven't been able to get back yet, make a plan to come back. There's something about being in this room and just seeing people face to face that, that you can begin to see their good example better than you can from far off. But let's begin to train and to fix our eyes on good examples. And let's never forget the ultimate example of this is Jesus Christ. That he is the perfect example. That his life is one we want to keep our eyes on in, in the scriptures his teaching is one we want to follow. His words are the ones that bring 
life. Now, all right, so Paul says, be a good example and keep your eyes on good examples and you will become more and more like Jesus. Now, here's what he says next. For as I have told you before, and now I tell you again, even with many tears, many live, this is tough stuff here, as enemies of the cross of Christ. Talking about these legalists from the chapter before. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await uh, a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious bodies. So the second thing Paul says is, man, watch out for bad examples. Right? We, we, Paul's been lifting up this godly, good, important life that he wants this church in Philippi to live. And he says, man, you got to pay attention to the good examples of that, but you better be sure, you better watch out for bad examples. And at almost, in almost every letter Paul writes, at some point he will do this, that there's false teachers or there's enemies of the cross or people are being led astray. And Paul can be blunt, can he? He, he can be, but he is passionate about this issue. He wants people to become more and more like Jesus, and he knows where our eyes go, our life will go. And so he says, you got to watch out for these bad examples in our culture and bad examples around you. And he gives some good examples. He says, listen, these bad examples, their destiny is destruction. Now listen, the word uh, destiny here, it is not necessarily referring to eternal destiny. The, the translation in the text makes it sound like Paul's talking about all of eternity, and he could be. But the wording of this text, it, it, it's more talking about uh, the, the destination of a path in this life that ends in destruction. So what Paul is saying is watch out for people that are heading in a path that is pretty easily predictable, not going to be a good ending place for them. This is not going to end in a good place because here's the truth. Every path, every direction results in a destination. Super deep, I know, right? The thing you are walking toward, that is the place that you are going to arrive. And every single person in this room, every single person online, we are currently walking toward something. So over my uh, sabbatical that Scott mentioned in a couple weeks, um, our family, we're, we're going to go to the Pacific Northwest uh, for a little bit for the vacation part of it. And uh, we are going to fly with young children. Be praying for us, right? Now, assuming we get on the right plane, and assuming that plane heads in the right direction, we are going to land in Seattle. Assuming we're on the right plane and assuming we're heading in the right direction, there is no scenario where we get off the plane and it's Miami, right? There is no scenario because the direction that we're heading, if we're on the right plane and the pilot knows what he's doing, we are going to land in Seattle and the direction of our life right now, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to make us aware of this. We're heading toward a destination, and we just want to make sure that the direction we're heading is the destination we want to get to. And the good news is, Jesus Christ cares about this too. 
This is why repeatedly in the scriptures, he's called our leader and Lord. He is leading us to good and wise places. He is leading us to good destinations. And we just live in a culture right now that is ripe with these really poor examples that are gonna end in destruction. If you want a really good, a really poor example of how to manage your money, check, culture can provide that. If you want a really poor example of how to manage sexuality, check, our culture can provide that. If you want a really poor example of how to manage your marriage and your relationships and your entertainment, check, 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 right? Our culture is more than happy to provide these examples. And you might find yourself wondering, I don't know, I'm getting into the get off my lawn stage of life a little bit, you know? So some of you know exactly what that is, that kind of grumpy thing where, where you're watching uh, the television and you see something and you're like, how on earth did we get to this spot? Have you ever felt that way before? How on earth did we get to this spot? And you know what the answer is that's no fun at all? We walked here. That's how we got here. We walked here. And our destiny has been destruction for a fair amount of time. And the good news is we can look to Jesus. We can look to good examples. And the good news is we can walk to another destination. But it's going to require us to keep our eyes on the Lord, to keep our eyes on good examples, and to walk to a better place. Their God is their stomach. Their destination is, destination, uh, destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. He's talking about people who set this example of absolutely following your appetite. If you want it, if you desire it, if you think it'll be, bring you happiness, then pursue it. And we know how dangerous this can be because we try to root this out of our children at a very early age as a side note. All right, we have this uh, evening kind of bedtime ritual at our house uh, with both our kids, but Sam is old enough to kind of navigate some of this on his own. But Lila, it will be, uh, you can have a bedtime show kind of of your choosing, as, you know, obviously appropriate, but you can have a bedtime show and then we go into the bedtime routine. Teeth brushing, story, prayers, all of that stuff. And almost every night at our house, it goes like this. All right, Lila, it's time for your bedtime show. Right now? Yes, right now. But I don't want to go to bed. Well, you're not going to bed right this minute. You're going to watch a bedtime show. And then, but I don't want to do that. And you know what doesn't happen in our house? What doesn't happen in our house is, well, I didn't know you didn't want to. Thank you for making that super clear to me. Now that I know you didn't want to, staying up till midnight is fine. We don't do that. Why? Her feelings and her desires are irrelevant. What she wants is not good for her. Not everything I want is good. Not everything you want is good. Not everything this culture wants is good. Having your desire, your stomach be your God, having your desire be your God is a phenomenally bad idea. We are best served by having Jesus be our God. He is the Lord that we need. Their glory is in their shame. That they're doing these things, he, Paul is describing these people that are doing these things that are completely counter the example of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and the life of Jesus and they glory in it. They brag about it. They celebrate it. 
and I'm not a prude, although maybe to some I would be, be very careful about media. Be careful about examples in culture that celebrate sin, that mocks God, that denigrates the life he is calling us to because we set our eyes on these things and our feet will tend to follow. Their mind is set on earthly things. There's an old saying that says, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we, right? Kind of carnal way of thinking of living. It's like living uh, like today is all there is and today is not all there is. This is why Paul will go into contrast two kind of mindsets as I get ready to close. He says, man, their glory is in their shame. Their God is their stomach. Their destiny is their destruction. Their mind is set on earthly things. But look at what he says next. But our citizenship is in heaven. Citizenship is a really interesting thing. Um, I was born in this country. Uh, My mom and dad were born in this country. My mom's parents came here from Germany. Uh, Her maiden name was Kinnischnick. And it's spelled exactly as it sounds, if you're wondering. Um, Kinnischnick, K-O-E-N-I-G-S-K-N-E-C-H-T, right? (laughs) True story, lots of consonants, right? When you change your citizenship, as my grandparents did, you're saying a couple of things. Here's what you're saying. The U.S. president is going to be my president. These fellow citizens are my fellow citizens. These are my people. This country's laws are my laws. This tax system is my tax system. What you are saying is, this is my home. So we don't believe in a eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Right? We, we don't buy into that. We are citizens of heaven. Here's what that means for you and for me. Being a citizen of heaven, it means God up in heaven is our God. Right? He's our God. His law is our law. Jesus is our savior. Not just someday, he's saving me every day. So I am not driven by my desires. What I want, what culture tells me is okay. I am driven by my God because I am a citizen of heaven and so are you. And this mindset of having my citizenship in heaven, it is a daily reminder to me of these truths. That he's not a far off God, he's mine. His laws are not arbitrary to keep me in a box and to control me. His laws are based on his love for me. The cross has proven that again and again. His laws are because he loves me. And Jesus is my, my savior. And so I want to grow up to be more and more like him and to look more and, like, more and more like him. And it requires me to look to good examples. To say, man, that person looks more and more like Jesus, it seems like every week or every year or whatever. They are looking more and more like Jesus. I'm going to keep my, I'm going to look at them and see their example and follow it. Follow their example as they follow the example of Christ. And it causes me to just be in hyperdrive control over man. I got to keep, I got to watch out for these bad examples where their glory, their glory is in their shame. Right? They're, they're doing these things that are counter God's plan and they're just, they're proud of it. They're celebrating it. They're denigrating the way of God and throwing a party about it. Their glory is in the shame. Their mind is on earthly things. 
Their, their citizenship isn't in heaven. They're, think, they're thinking about eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow uh, we, we die. Their God is in their stomach. If they desire it, they go, I, I got to be in hyperdrive, keeping my eye on these examples so that I can identify them and not become like them so that I can become more and more like Jesus. And this is Paul's prayer for the Philippians. And this is my prayer for me. And this is my prayer for you. That we would be a church full of good examples, looking for good examples, and a church that's just aware that there are some really bad examples out there. Be in hyperdrive to be aware of them so that we can become more and more like Jesus. Our citizenship is in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his grace. Uh, As we get ready to celebrate communion right now, may we remember that the reason you came and lived and died, Jesus, was so that our citizenship could change and that we could call God not just a God or the God even, but we could call him ours. As Paul will say later, we can call you Abba, Father, Dad, and have a personal relationship with you. We are grateful for our, that our sins are forgiven. We are grateful for the work of your Holy Spirit to change us and transform us and make us more and more like your son, Jesus. That's what we want. We want to be more like him. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Let's receive communion together. Like I said in the prayer, this is what Jesus came for so that we, our citizenship can change, be citizens of heaven, and God is our God, and his law is our law, and Uh, We know he loves us and cares about us uh, and to forgive our sin and to make us right with God in this life and the next. And we're grateful for that as well, that um, church, we're forgiven. We're forgiven. But we're not just forgiven and left alone. We're forgiven and empowered to change and be transformed and made new. And this is why Jesus came and gave his body for you. This is why he came and poured out his blood. And my prayer for us is that we would leave this place knowing we're forgiven, but also wanting to be changed and transformed. And so we're gonna be on the lookout for good examples and and bad examples uh, so that we can become more and more like our Savior and and Lord. For the next two Sundays, we're gonna uh, be uh, in chapter four of Philippians. If you wanna read ahead, we're gonna get into chapter four and kind of come to the tail end of of, uh, the letter uh, to, to the church in Philippi, really rich, good stuff in in chapter four as well. So go ahead and stand and uh, let's sing one last song.